Section 15 of the Underground Railroad, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. The Underground Railroad, Part 1, by William Still. Section 15. Ex-President Tyler's Household Loses an Aristocratic Article. Edward Morgan, Henry Johnson, James and Stephen Butler. Ex-President Tyler's Household Loses an Aristocratic Article. James Hamilton Christian is a remarkable specimen of the well-fed, etc. In talking with him relative to his life as a slave, he said very promptly, I have always been treated well. If I only have half as good times in the North as I have had in the South, I shall be perfectly satisfied. Any time I desired spending money, five or ten dollars were no object. At times James had borrowed of his master one, two, and three hundred dollars to loan out to some of his friends. With regard to apparel and jewelry, he had worn the best as an everyday adornment. With regard to food also, he had fared as well as heart could wish, with abundance of leisure time at his command. His deportment was certainly very refined and gentlemanly. About fifty per cent of Anglo-Saxon blood was visible in his features and his hair, which gave him no inconsiderable claim to sympathy and care. He had been to William and Mary's college in his younger days to wait on young master James B. C., where, through the kindness of some of the students, he had picked up a trifling amount of book-learning. To be brief, this man was born the slave of old Major Christian, on the Glen Plantation, Charles City, County, Virginia. The Christians were wealthy and owned many slaves, and belonged in reality to the FFVs. On the death of the old major, James fell into the hands of his son, Judge Christian, who was the executor to his father's estate. Subsequently he fell into the hands of one of the judge's sisters, Mrs. John Tyler, wife of ex-president Tyler, and then he became a member of the president's domestic household was at the White House under the President from 1841 to 1845. Though but very young at that time, James was only fit for training in the arts, science, and mystery of waiting, in which profession much pains were taken to qualify him completely for his calling. After a lapse of time his mistress died. According to her request, after this event, James and his old mother were handed over to her nephew, William H. Christian, Esquire, a merchant of Richmond. From this gentleman, James had the folly to flee. Passing hurriedly over interesting details, received from him, respecting his remarkable history, two or three more incidents too good to omit must suffice. "'How did you like Mr. Tyler?' said an inquisitive member of the Vigilance Committee. "'I didn't like Mr. Tyler much,' was the reply." why again inquired the member of the committee because mr tyler was a poor man i never did like poor people i didn't like his marrying into our family who were considered very far tyler's superiors on the plantation he said tyler was a very cross man and treated the servants very cruelly but the house servants were treated much better owing to their having belonged to his wife who protected them from persecution as they had been favorite servants in her father's family James estimated that Tyler got about $35,000 and 29 slaves, young and old, by his wife. 
what prompted james to leave such pleasant quarters it was this he had become enamoured of a young and respectable free girl in richmond with whom he could not be united in marriage solely because he was a slave and did not own himself the frequent sad separations of such married couples where one or the other was a slave could not be overlooked consequently the poor fellow concluded that he would stand a better chance of gaining his object in canada than by remaining in virginia so he began to feel that he might himself be sold some day and thus the resolution came home to him very forcibly to make tracks for canada in speaking of the good treatment he had always met with a member of the committee remarked you must be akin to some one of your master's family to which he replied i am christian's son unquestionably this passenger was one of that happy class so commonly referred to by apologists for the patriarchal institution the committee feeling a deep interest in his story and desiring great success to him in his underground efforts to get rid of slavery and at the same time possess himself of his affianced made him heartily welcome feeling assured that the struggles and hardships he had submitted to in escaping as well as the luxuries he was leaving behind were nothing to be compared with the blessings of liberty and a free wife in canada edward morgan henry johnson james and stephen butler two thousand dollars reward the above reward will be paid for the apprehension of two blacks who escaped on sunday last it is supposed they have made their way to pennsylvania five hundred dollars will be paid for the apprehension of either so that we can get them again the oldest is named edward morgan about five feet six or seven inches heavily made is a dark black has rather a down look when spoken to and is about twenty-one years of age henry johnson is a colored negro about five feet seven or eight inches heavily made aged nineteen years has a pleasant countenance and has a mark on his neck below the ear stephen butler is a dark-complexioned negro about five feet seven inches has a pleasant countenance with a scar above his eye plays on the violin about twenty-two years old jim butler is a dark-complexioned negro five feet eight or nine inches is rather sullen when spoken to face rough aged about twenty-one years the clothing not recollected they had black frock coats and slouch hats with them any information of them address elizabeth brown sandy hook post office or of thomas johnson abingdon post office hartford county maryland elizabeth brown thomas johnson from the underground railroad records the following memorandum is made which if not too late may afford some light to elizabeth brown and thomas johnson if they have not already gone the way of the lost cause june fourth eighteen fifty seven edward is a hardy and firm-looking young man of twenty-four years of age chestnut color medium size and likely would doubtless bring fourteen hundred dollars in the market he had been held as the property of the widow betsy brown who resided near mill green post office in hartford county maryland she was a very bad woman would go to church every sunday come home and go to fighting amongst the colored people was never satisfied she treated my mother very hard said ed would beat her with a walking stick etc 
She was an old woman and belonged to the Catholic Church. Over her slaves she kept an overseer, who was a very wicked man, very bad on colored people. His name was Bill Eddy. Elizabeth Brown owned twelve head. Henry is of a brown skin, a good-looking young man, only nineteen years of age, whose prepossessing appearance would ensure a high price for him in the market, perhaps seventeen hundred dollars. With Edward he testifies to the meanness of Mrs. Betsy Brown, as well as to his own longing desire for freedom. Being a fellow-servant with Edward, Henry was a party to the plan to escape. In slavery he left his mother and three sisters, owned by the old woman from whom he escaped. James is about twenty-one years of age, full black and medium size. As he had been worked hard on poor fare, he concluded to leave in company with his brother and two cousins, leaving his parents in slavery, owned by the widow Pyle, who was also the owner of himself. She was upwards of eighty, very passionate and ill-natured, although a member of the Presbyterian Church. James may be worth fourteen hundred dollars. Stephen is a brother of James's, and is about the same size, though a year older. His experience differed in no material respect from his brother's, was owned by the same woman, whom he hated for her bad treatment of him, would bring fourteen hundred dollars, perhaps. In substance, and to a considerable extent in the exact words, these facts are given as they came from the lips of the passengers, who, though having been kept in ignorance and bondage, seemed to have their eyes fully open to the wrongs that had been heaped upon them, and were singularly determined to reach free soil at all hazards. The committee willingly attended to their financial and other wants, and cheered them on with encouraging advice. They were indebted to the Baltimore Sun for the advertisement information, and here it may be further added that the Sun was quite famous for this kind of underground railroad literature, and on that account alone the committee subscribed for it daily, and never failed to scan closely certain columns, illustrated with a black man running away with a bundle on his back. Many of these popular illustrations and advertisements were preserved, many others were sent away to friends at a distance who took a special interest in the underground railroad matters friends and stockholders in england used to take a great interest in seeing how the fine arts in these particulars were encouraged in the south the land of chivalry end of section fifteen recording by maria casper